Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Journey Through Sonship podcast. I am Calvin Calhoun, Jr., and today we want to continue looking at building the house of God, but today we want to look at being mindful of how we build the house of God. I did a small little message talking about um, the hows matter to God. You know, we talk about the why, but we we rarely focus on the how, and the how matters to God. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse number nine, 1 Corinthians chapter three, verse number nine, it says, for we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. But let every man, I underlined this part, <laughs> let every man take heed how he builds thereupon. Let me read that one more time. Let every man take heed of how he builds thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the what? The chief cornerstone, okay? It says this. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or stubble, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Paul, as a wise master builder, the apostles are considered wise master builders. We said in part one of the foundational principles of building the house of God that wisdom builds the house. Paul says, I'm a wise master builder. It says what? That the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ, except the Lord builds the house. But we are co-laborers with God. God is building the house through us, but the foundation, the cornerstone of the house is Jesus Christ. And the doctrine of the house is Christ. It's not a denominational doctrine. It's not our institutional doctrine. It's not our church's doctrine. The doctrine of Christ is how we will build the house of God. That's why he says be mindful of how you build. Because you can build people unto yourself. You can build people unto your institutions. You can make disciples of your institutions, the denominations, or whatever church you're a part of. And people have no clue what it truly means to be the house of God. They don't understand what it means to be in the house of God. David understood it when he says, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord. The house of the Lord is the family of God. This is why he tells you what? You are God's building. I'm going to say it one more time. You are God's building. That, that, that's 1 Corinthians 3, 9. So make sure y'all not think I'm just saying. You are God's building. The house of God is a family. You are the building. It's not your four-wall building. It's not this, this wood. It's not none of that. The house of God is a family. But you are the dwelling place of God. God desires to live and walk in you. You are the house of God. 
That's what he says right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. That's why we got to be mindful because he's the master contractor. He knows how the house is supposed to be built. And by being led by the Spirit of God and being led by wisdom, we will build the house of God, the family of God, accurately. See, we, we came up with all these different types of ways and figuring out our own little ways of doing certain things. And yes, that's the creative nature of man. And yes, but, we, but when it comes to building God's house, we need to be just as strategic and precise as he was about that physical temple in Jerusalem. I mean, look, God was strategic. He wanted things done a certain way. He wanted certain things measured a certain way. He wanted things cut a certain way. He wanted things built out of certain materials. He wanted things built out of other materials. And all of it, listen to me, all of it had an eternal meaning to it. It was earthly. It was a type and a shadow. It was a symbol. But when the truth comes, when faith comes, this is, when Jesus Christ comes, he reveals the meaning of the symbol. He takes it from being a symbol to being the reality. So let's take the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant is a box made of acacia wood, but it's overlaid by gold. The, the Ark of the Covenant is Christ. All right? Then we who are in Christ... So everything that's in Christ or in the box can be attributed to us. The, the box is carried by two staffs, two staffs that go through the bottom sides of the box. So that means it takes four priests to carry the box. That's the type of shout. He told them that the family of Kohat, which is a Levitical, which is a family under the Levitical priesthood, because the son of Levi was named Kohat, which means congregation. And when the box would be carried, the sons of Kohat had a responsibility to carry the precious furniture or the things of the tabernacle. Four priests would lift the box up on their shoulders and carry the Ark of the Covenant. This is a picture that the presence of God is carried by a congregation. It's not carried by one person. The, <laughs> whoo, the presence of God is carried by a congregation. It's carried by a priesthood. We are called, what? A royal priesthood. We're called, we're carriers of God's presence in the earth. We're the sons of God. Everything that was in that box is attributed to us. Oh, my. Woo. I'm not going to go all the way into that. What I'm saying is, is that the temple, even the building of the temple at Jerusalem, Solomon's temple, is a picture. It's a symbol of the house of God. It's a symbol of the body of Christ. Why? Because God would judge that temple in AD 70. He would help, he will judge it by sending the Roman armies to destroy that temple because there is a greater temple in the earth and it's not made by the hands of man because you are God's building. God doesn't dwell in temples made by the hands of man. He dwells in you. What a beautiful picture. But let's get back to how we're called to build. Okay, so he tells us what? As a wise master builder, 
Wisdom builds the house. Now, Let's turn over and look at Solomon because there was a unique dynamic here. And I know um, last month we talked about the heart of David. Solomon had a unique word. And let's look at 1 Kings chapter 5. 1 Kings chapter 5, okay? It says this, 1 Kings chapter 5 verse 1. And Hiram, king of Tyre, sent his servants unto Solomon. For he had heard that they had anointed him king in the room of his father, for Hiram was ever a lover of David. And Solomon sent to Hiram, saying, Thou knowest how that David my father could not build a house unto the name of the Lord his God for the wars which were about him on every side until the Lord put them under the soles of his feet. David was, though he was a man after God's own heart, all the victories David had, he was a man of war. He had blood on his hands. This is key. Watch. But now the Lord my God, verse 4, has given me rest on every side so that there is neither adversary nor evil occurring. And behold, I purpose to build a house unto the name of the Lord my God as the Lord spake unto David my father, saying, Thy son whom I will set upon thy throne in thy room. He shall build a house unto my name. David could not, though he was a man after God's own heart, though he was a humble man, a submitted man, he was a faithful man, he was an honorable man, he still had blood on his hands. He was a man of war. But Solomon was given the grace to actually build the temple. Why? Because the name Solomon means a man at rest. Hear me, house of God. Hear me, church. He is a man at rest. That's what he just says. He's given me rest on every side so that there is neither adversary or current. The Lord have mercy. The, it takes a man of wisdom but it also takes a person at rest to build the house of God. Come on, y'all. Watch this. Noah. The name Noah means rest. Noah was a man at rest. He was obedient to God. God gave him the directions, told him how to build the ark. He gave him precise measurements, the exact way he wanted it done. And Noah was obedient to the T and built the ark. And when he built the ark, it was to it was exactly to God's specifications. Solomon being a wise man, but also a man at rest. What's, what, why do I keep saying about this man at rest? What does that mean? That means a man who has ceased, listen to me, who has ceased from doing his will and his way to doing God's will and God's way. That's the man at rest. When we talk about the Sabbath day, we tend to think of the Sabbath day to be Saturday. That's what the law says. The law says the Sabbath day is Saturday. But the Lord of the Sabbath says that the day of the Lord is the Sabbath day. Why? Because when we come into Christ, Jesus said this, come unto me, 
all ye that labor and habit late, and I will give you Shabbat. I will give you rest. So the rest that you first give is a rest in your spirit. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I'm meek and lowly, right? He said that. And there, when you learn of him, you will find rest for your soul. Why? Because you find, when you learn of Christ, you submit the will, your will, your way, where you think in your soul to the will of the spirit. Now you're a man at rest. See, the day of, see, see, the Sabbath day is a day, you can experience the Sabbath day now. If you submit your will and your way to God and follow his will and his way, because then you work from a position of rest. Solomon was a wise king. And look, he had rest. So a man who builds God's house is a man who is at rest. He has ceased from doing his will and his way to doing it exactly the way God says do it. See, we got that. We got we got to climb just a little bit higher because the Sabbath day is available for us now. But Solomon was a man at rest. He said, son, I, my son, whom I will set upon that throne in that room, he shall build a house unto my name. And it says in verse 7, And it came to pass when Hiram heard the words of Solomon, that he rejoiced greatly and said, Blessed be the Lord this day, which has given unto David a wise son over this great people. A wise son. It's a man of wisdom and a man at rest that builds the house of God. Now, I told you that you are the house of God, right? And you are. Peter had a beautiful picture of this. Turn over to 1 Peter. Turn over to 1 Peter. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 2. It says this, Wherefore, wherefore, Remember I told you, the rest is available for you if you submit to from your will and your way and being led by the soul to submit yourself to being led by the spirit. It says, wherefore, lay aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings. That is not out of the spirit. That is from the soul. But he tells you what? To lay them aside. Romans 8 tells us to mortify the deeds of the body. He says this, lay those things aside. As newborn babies. See, babies are born into families. Babies are born into houses. Babies are born into families. He says, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Children grow. Sons grow. Peter's telling you as a newborn babe, grow. And he says what? If so be you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Disallowed of men, rejected of men. Men will reject Jesus Christ. But he is the son of the living God. He is the chief cornerstone. He's the cornerstone of the church. 
Everything's built off of Jesus Christ. You can't come to the Father except by Jesus Christ. He is the door. And any man who tries to find their way to God except by Jesus Christ, you're considered a thief and a robber. But he says, you also. I love the word. I love the scripture and how it words things. He says what? Who's coming as a living stone, but you also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house. You are a stone. You are a part of the house of God. You are a member of a corporate body. But the way, he, the way you know where you fit in this building is he has to shape you. And that's done in a quarry. In those, any people who know about building using stone, that stones, stones are not immediately put into buildings. They're first taken to a quarry where they're shaped for their placement in the particular part of the building where they fit. But he says as lively stones, see God don't want no dead sacrifices. He says as lively stones, you are living. He don't want that. God is, God is not dead. So as Christ lives, we live, we're living stones. He's a living stone. He says you're built up a spiritual house, a holy, what did I call it? A holy priesthood. And it says this, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. What are the spiritual sacrifices we are supposed to offer up? What are the spiritual sacrifices? Turn over easily to Psalm 51. David tells you what the sacrifices are. He tells you Psalm 51, verse number 16. He says, For thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. God don't care about your killing of your goats, your killing of your chickens, the killing of your sheep. He don't care about none of that. It says this, the sacrifices of God, verse 17, are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou will not despise. See, when we offer up spiritual sacrifices and we humble ourselves and submit ourselves to the Lord and admit our faults and acknowledge the transgressions and the things that we've done against God and him only. Do you know we offer up those sacrifices and it's pleasing to God. God does not reject that. See, all this deals with character. It deals with character. Before you can actually, thank you, Lord. Before you can actually even build the house of God, God got to get your mind right. He has to work on your character. Because those who build must represent him. They must be able to represent him. They must be able to follow him. They must be able to be obedient to his will and his way of how he wants his house built. This is why you need the apostle. Because they steer the ship, but most of all, the apostles set the order. What else do the apostles do? They arrange the relationships within the house of God. The apostles set the order and arrange relationships. That's why he says, I'm a wise master builder, because he knows he's not building a physical building. He's building the family and setting the order of the house of God, which we'll get to next in the next message. 
Setting the order of the house of God is important because in that order, there's the culture of heaven. It's the culture of God's house. It's how sons are matured unto the father. So this is why we have to be mindful of how we build. We got people talking about they doing this, doing this, but the Bible's clear. And I read over in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that every man's work will be tried by the fire. Every man. How would you like to see 15, 20, 30 years of work just burn? That doesn't mean anything. Because you went your own way. Because you decided to do it the way that you wanted to do. You thought it was a good business model. You thought you could just get people unto yourself. But you're not even maturing sons. You don't even see them as sons. You see them as commodities and resources. So you strip them and you rob them of their resources and of their money. You burden the people by putting traditions upon them and saying, you building the house, you building the house. And all they're trying to do is get another edifice, another building. All while yet, you as the leader are prospering and the people are still poor. I love the first century church. The apostles understood. They understood the meaning. They understood the calling. They understood what they were called to build. That's why when people say it, Oh, Lord, have mercy. Acts chapter 2, verse 41 to 47, shows you the culture of the house. And what were everybody doing? They sold all their possessions. It's up here, y'all. They sold all their possessions and parted them to each man that had need. They were building a family, and family don't let each other struggle. So if I know that I have something that can bless someone else, and it's a need to somebody else, I give it to it because I know my father will supply. We got to be mindful of how we build. How? It's the house. The church at Ephesus was doing all these great things. They were calling out the evil. They were, they, were, um, they were patient. They were working. They were doing all these things. But God said, you're still in a fallen state because you have left your first love. Go, he says, repent from the fallen state and do the first works. But he told them they were already doing works. But the problem is, is how they were doing it. How they were doing it. Please receive this. How are we building the house of God? Be mindful of how you build. You don't want your life's work to be tantamount to nothing because you built it your way. You built it off of the traditions and the doctrines of men and not the doctrines of Christ. Let's be mindful of how we build. Be mindful of how you build. And teachers and leaders, remember, we're held double accountable. Don't be a stumbling block. Don't let your, your man-made doctrines and traditions supersede or make the word of God to no effect. In the next message, we'll begin to look at the order of God's house. The order of God's house because look houses have structure and walls how it's built upon it's built strategically we got to understand the order in which God's house is built but God has to first work up here with us he has to work up here with us he has to reform our ways the way we think he has to reform our character you can't just go and build God's no that don't work that way 
building God's house is done by a man at rest and a man that's guided by wisdom. Because wisdom builds the house and knowledge of the holy fills its chambers. We're building a family. We're not building buildings. They're lively stones built up a spiritual house to offer up sacrifices unto God. So may God bless you till we meet again on the Journey Through Sonship podcast where we continue to look at building the house of God.